So would you please turn to First Peter so long, get that open and ready. I encourage you to always bring your Bible to church. Please do that. So last week, we kicked off our sermon series on 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And I'm glad that we're busy with this. I have a sense of the destiny of God. I believe that this is God's plan for us, that we are focusing on this at this point in time. I believe that this is not a good idea, but that God has initiated and we're responding to that. The teachings in 1 Peter are relevant to this day and age, just as relevant as they were back then, perhaps even more, I don't know. And we will certainly benefit from these teachings. And let me say, this series could even change your life. That's how powerful God's word is. It could even change your life. It could impact our church. So let's be receptive to everything that God wants to teach us. Please say to the person next to you, be receptive. Tell them that. Today we will look at the second half of chapter one. Last week we looked at the first half. Today, the second half of the chapter. And just briefly, as mentioned last week, Peter is the author of this book, this is the same Peter who was one of Jesus' disciples. He was very close in Jesus' inner circle in terms of the disciples. It's the same Peter that walked on the water, the same Peter that preached on the day of Pentecost, etc. And here he is writing to several regions of believers in Asia Minor, that is modern-day Turkey. But the big idea here is that Peter was aware that these believers had been suffering persecution. And so he had such a heart for God's people, he refused to do nothing about it. And he purposed in his heart, I'm going to write to these believers in these regions and I'm going to encourage them and we can receive from that encouragement as well. And he encouraged them in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their persecution. So, the book of 1 Peter, part 2. Let's begin to read in verse 13 to 25. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That's an interesting statement to start off with. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, that's us, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. There's a key right there. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, 
who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. How many of you say, I want my faith and my hope to be in God? Absolutely. Verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently. Please say fervently. With a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Can we say amen? amen? The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Please keep this open throughout the time of our sharing. As I refer back, I want you to be able to just glance down and see where we are at. There are four things that I'd like to share with you today, and I see these as the critical elements out of this passage. Point number one, gird up the loins of your mind. Live with the right mindset. Get your mind into gear. Doesn't that sound like something good? This is what Peter is in effect saying. Gird up the loins of your mind. Live with the right mindset. Get your mind into gear. Look at verse 13 again. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we see this interesting phrase, gird up the loins of your mind. Please say that with me, gird up the loins of your mind. It's not a phrase you regularly use. Now, firstly, what are loins? Now, please don't think about loin chops and lamb and brine and so on. <laughs> okay, we're not talking about that. Loins... This is the part of the body between the ribs and the hip. In other words, the bottom rib from there down to the hip bone, that is the loin part of your area, commonly known as your waist area. So the Apostle Peter is encouraging us to have a girded mind. Now, this is an interesting image or figure of speech. You see, in those days, they would have been very familiar with what Paul said. When Paul said, gird up the loins of your mind, they think, I can relate to that. But you say to people today, gird up the loins of your mind, and they can't really relate. So what happened is, in Eastern nations in those times, people would wear long robes. But sometimes those long robes down to the feet were a little bit inhibiting. And so if you wanted to walk fast, or you wanted to do something physical, you had to gather your robe up and you had to sort of tie it around your waist and that's how you would gird up the loins of your mind. Now, I thought, well, let's have a little moment here and perhaps illustrate this. So, um, Pastor Greg has uh, offered that he would help show us this. Would you give him a hand as he comes up? Thanks, Pastor Greg. Fantastic, and if you would stand over here, and uh, does he look smart? 
Fantastic. Now, in terms of this, so we haven't got the exact right robe. This is more like an African robe. It's not one of those Eastern robes from those times, but we try in our best just to illustrate a point. So what happens is here, he's busy with his normal uh, work during the day, not, not work, going about his day and so on, but then he suddenly realizes he needs to run somewhere or do something physical. So then what happens is he picks up his robe. Now, you meant to have uh, bare legs underneath, but we thought we won't have the bare legs today. So he, he picks up his robe, and then you have to kind of grab the robe and try to find some little end pieces, and then if you've got enough space, uh, which this robe doesn't fully have, but then you try to tie around your uh, waistline, you try to gird up the loins, and so there we go. It's actually meant to be a little bit higher. And let's just get that part back there. Okay, now that one's disappeared. Don't ask what that was. Okay. <laughs> All right, so basically this gives you a little bit of an idea and you have more mobility now and you can get some physical stuff done and you can get into fighting mode and we can spar a bit together because now if he has to run away from my big punch, he can run, you know? Come on, give him a hand. Thank you very much, Greg. Some people think, well, I thought this church was crazy. Now I know it. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate that. And so physically, that's what it meant to gird up your loins. They understood the idea. But what does it mean when Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind? If you're making notes, write it down. This is what it means. It means reinforce your mind. Live with the right mindset. Get your mind into gear. Also, I'd like to add, let your mind be strong, composed, and ready for action. I'd like to repeat that because I, I want it to sink in a little bit deeper. So what does good of the loins of your mind mean? It means reinforce your mind. Live with the right mindset. Get your mind into gear and let your mind be strong, composed, and ready for action. Essentially, Peter is saying this is how the believers in Jesus Christ need to live with a, a mind that is reinforced, that is strong, that is composed, that is ready for action. I think of a soldier. Now, before a soldier can go onto the battlefield, there's a lot of preparation and training that takes place, and you polish your gun and this, that, but there's also mental preparation that takes place. If you don't prepare yourself mentally, you could face a far worse situation on the battlefield, but you come onto the battlefield and you are prepared. You've girded up the loins of your mind. Maybe a practical little example is maybe you have the opportunity of a job interview. So you don't just randomly woo -woo -woo, walk into the job interview, how's it, how's it? No, you prepare yourself before the time. You might study the company's website. You might Google questions that they might ask. You make sure that you'll look neat and tidy. Make sure you're flossed in the morning and all of that. And then what do you do? You walk in and you've girded up the loins of your mind. Your mind is ready and you are strong and you are reinforced. And hopefully the interview will go better as a result of that. Now, what is the opposite of a girded mind? It is a mind that is unsure, undecided, distracted, and not ready for action. 
And that is how we should not be living. So gird up the loins of your mind. But then there is this next little word that's put there, this phrase that says, be sober. Please say that. Be sober. There's a similar idea here, but there's a slightly different emphasis. To be sober means to, to think clearly, to be alert, but especially to exercise self-control. How many of you agree that we must exercise self-control in the days in which we are living in? And that's what Paul, not Paul, Peter is encouraging. Think clearly. Exercise self-control. The Amplified Bible says of this, it says, be completely sober, and then in brackets, in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplines, spiritually and morally alert. And it's as though Peter is saying, listen, you need to keep watch over your mind, believers. You have to watch over your mind so that you do not give in to the distractions that the enemy wants to bring upon your life. And the same thing applies to us today. This, I appeal to you the same thing today. Keep watch over your mind. You know how when your mind is facing like a severe battle and the enemy is winning against you, you are in a mess. But God says, no, no, no. Gird up the loins of your mind and stand strong, ready for action. Stand ready to withstand the enemy. Stand ready to fulfill the mission that God has called you to. Living in these last days requires a certain kind of mindset. We need to get our minds in gear. And I like putting it this way. We need to live as though we are on a mission. If you live as though you're on a mission, chances are, you will be more victorious in your life. So when you get up in the morning and you feel terrible and you feel in a bad way and so on, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind into gear. Get your mind ready and focused for the day. If you face a situation when threats are coming against you, maybe even persecution, etc., gird up the loins of your mind because God will help you and you'll be able to stand firm. When fear comes knocking at your door, gird up the loins of your mind. And so this is how God is speaking to us through the book of 1 Peter. I ask you, are you learning? Are you learning to gird up the loins of your mind, which means reinforce your mind. Get your mind into gear. Let your mind be strong, composed, and ready for action. Can I get an amen? amen. Point number two. Be holy in everything you do. Say this aloud with me. Be holy in everything you do. We study in 1 Peter. What does 1 Peter say? This. Do we want to learn the Bible? This is what it says. Be holy in everything you do. Please look at verse 14 in your Bible, verse 14 to 16. It says, as obedient children, that's you and I, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, here it comes, you also be holy in all your conduct. Hear the word of the Lord to you, child, today. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That's a beautiful passage of Scripture. Let's think of God's holiness for a moment, and I want to declare it loud and clear, and I want to say that our God is an awesome God. Our God is a holy God. Right now, God is blazing with holiness. 
Wow, think about that. He's blazing with the holiness of the fire of who he is. It says in Hebrews 12, 29 in the Passion Translation, it says, for our God is a holy, devouring fire. Another translation says a consuming fire. Do you realize that God is completely separated from sin, completely separated from evil? He cannot associate with sin. And right now in heaven, there are angels that are around the throne of God and they are worshiping God and they are declaring his indescribable holiness. Now, right now. And you can never get tired of declaring God's holiness because there are revelations and factors of his holiness that keep on being revealed because he is indescribably holy. And in heaven now, they are saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Say that with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We need to have a revelation of the holiness of God which then inspires us to live a holy life. If you are not taken up with the holiness of God, chances are being holy in your own life will be a zero priority. But when you worship the beauty of his holiness, it makes you want to walk in kind to him. Also, in terms of God's holiness, uh, I believe that we need to set our sights on living a holy life. Maybe you want to write that down. Set your sights on living a holy life. In verse 15 of the Passion Translation, it says, shape your lives to become like the Holy One. So the other translation, the more well-known one says, you also be holy in all your conduct. The Passion says, shape your lives to become like the Holy One. I believe that Living a holy life means that we are increasingly representing the character of God in our families and in our world, and there should be a growth in that regard. May I ask you a question? In what areas do you think God would like us to develop in the holiness? Well, I believe it's probably in every area of our lives, in particular in our thought life, in our speech, and in our actions. And if you can get your thought life right, where you begin to say, God, I'm trusting you that I will be more holy in my thought life, it manifests in your actions and your words and all of that kind of thing. Something which I find interesting is when God says, be holy for I am holy. Realize this. He is calling forth your potential in Christ. The potential that is there that can be manifest, he is calling it forth. It would be completely unfair of God to say you need to be holy and then we don't have the potential and the capability of being holy. It would be unfair of God. But God knows your potential in Christ and therefore, he calls it forth. He says, come on, be holy. The potential is there. Come on, be holy. And we need to do this in our lives, in our own life, in your own life. Call forth your potential to holiness. Declare, I'm a holy person. In your children, they need to know their identity as a holy people under God. Call forth their holiness. 
Speak over your daughter. Say, you're a holy young woman. Speak over your, your son that you're a righteous young man. Speak into their identity. I have discovered if people understand their identity in a better way, it helps them to live in accordance with their identity. People perish because of a lack of knowledge. But when you know that I am fully capable of walking in holiness, then you are able to walk in it because God is calling it forth. God is calling it forth. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says the following, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And then it says this, perfecting holiness. Please say those two words. Perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Once again, if you have a revelation that he indeed is a holy God and he calls forth holiness, then you will be able to walk in line with what God is calling us. Also, around this point of be holy in everything that you do, I want to say this, don't slip back into your old ways. You know, we go through lots of things in life and sometimes we come to a point where we feel like, I'm not even sure if I feel like serving the Lord anymore and our feelings are leading the way and so on. And I want to say to you, I want to appeal to you, don't slip back into your old ways. Don't slip back into your former lust. Realize this, that your new life is completely different from your old life. It's far better, so don't go back to those ways. Don't go back. I think of that song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. We know that song. Gee, I've been singing that song since I was at Chukarki, whatever Chukarki means. <laughs> Chukarki, actually, should I say. <laughs> Uh, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, praise the Lord, no turning back. No one that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is worthy. And so I, I, be encouraged that as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord and we're not going back. When I remember what the Lord has done, I can never go back anymore. You, you know that song, we can never go back. Tell the person next to you, we can never go back. Tell them that. We can never go back, and we must not go back. I want to challenge you with one or two things here. Talking about holiness is, in general is wonderful, but sometimes we need to apply it practically. In terms of holiness, it is unholy to sleep with your girlfriend. It is unholy. It is called the sin of fornication. It is unholy to be involved in fraud. It is called the sin of stealing. It is unholy to consult a traditional healer. That is the sin of witchcraft. It is unholy to use profanity in your life because that is the sin of corrupt communication. Now, church, you shouldn't be so quiet. You should, you should encourage one another in this. Come on. Encourage one another in holiness. People don't understand. Well, they think I just want to live together, and then people explain, no, 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 I don't live together. I just bath together. Oh, rubbish, you don't. God calls you to a holy life. And when you pursue holiness, you know what? The blessing of the Lord just comes in an incredible way. And in terms of those sins and those things that I've mentioned, I want to say that you are better than that. 
You are a royal priesthood and your identity is a holy nation. And the scripture says in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, don't copy the patterns and behavior of this world. Why are we doing that? Don't copy the patterns and behavior of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. God, as we're going through 1 Peter, change the way I think. Some stuff I've been been believing is lies. Change the way I think. Christianity is about transformation. And it starts the moment you surrender to Christ and it continues and continues and continues until one day you see Jesus face to face. But let's keep on changing. Let's keep on transforming. I've also realized this, that we cannot become holy in our own strength. We really cannot. Then we will fail time and again. But the good news that I have for you today is that God empowers you by his Holy Spirit to live a holy life. So it's not in your own power. We will fail over and over again. But when we truly realize that God, the Holy Spirit, is alongside us to help us, He's inside of us to help and strengthen us, then we are much better enabled to be able to live a life of victory. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a holy life. Do you realize the Old Testament saints They didn't have the personal help of the Holy Spirit, but we do. Come on, you can get more excited about that. We do. We absolutely do, and that makes all the difference. Now, please tell somebody next to you, you're empowered to be holy. Tell them that boldly. You're empowered to be holy. Come on, Tertius, tell it. (laughs) Point number three. You were rescued from a futile life by the precious blood of Christ. Say this out aloud with me. You were rescued from a futile life by the precious blood of Christ. Now, look at verse 17, the last part of verse 17 going to verse 19. It says here, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Just to pause a moment, I like that phrase, Throughout the time of your stay here, the New Testament church had a greater revelation than we do that we're only here for a season. We're only on earth for a while. So he says, conduct yourselves throughout your time of stay here in fear. This is in fear before God. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, jump to verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. I love that phrase, the precious blood of Christ. Say that phrase with me, the precious blood of Christ. And I wanna ask you this question. Do you esteem the blood of Jesus? Do you esteem the blood of Jesus? Do you honor the blood of Jesus? Because we should. It is the most precious substance ever known to mankind is the blood of Jesus. And later on, in a few moments, when we go into communion, we will partake of the blood of Jesus. And I encourage you, cherish the blood of Jesus. We are so blessed to partake in the blood of Jesus. And if we really cherish the blood of Jesus, then we will live in holy reverence before God. Let me say this. If you are tempted to go back to your old worldly life, remember, It was the blood of Jesus that delivered you from that life. 
Don't go and trample on the blood of Jesus by going to those old ways again. Don't go back. I think of this, that if my freedom costs the Son of God his life, then I never want to go back anymore. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen? And so in terms of this, realize how valuable you are to God. They say that the value of something is determined by the price a person is prepared to pay for it. And in that case, you are tremendously valuable because God paid the ultimate price with his son. So you are tremendously valuable. And I want to urge you, child of God, see yourself like that. When you realize how precious you are and how valuable you are in God's sight, it causes you to live more like a king's kid. You are valuable. Please tell the person next to you, you are valuable. And so I want to say to people, maybe especially young people who are listening to me today, I want to say, don't self-harm. Don't cut yourself. Don't burn yourself because you are so worthwhile to God. You are not worthless and you are so valuable to your heavenly Father. And when you realize your value, bought with the blood of Jesus, it makes you realize, oh, therefore I will glorify God in my body, which is His, because I'm bought with a price. Hallelujah. Point number four, which is a brief one. Have a genuine love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Please say this with me. Have a genuine love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. I think we need to grow in this area. It's easy to see a statement on the screen to this effect. But God's calling us to live this kind of life. I wanna see myself grow in this area. So look at verse 22, and the very last part says love. Please say the word love. Love one another, but this is how. Fervently with a pure heart. And so when Peter was writing to these believers, it's as though he expected, because you're all busy growing spiritually in your walk with the Lord, I expect that also, because of the purifying that's taking place, that you will be growing in love for one another. If we are not growing in love for one another, then I question whether we are growing spiritually in God. Because we are known by our fruits. And this is how people will know that we are God's disciples, by their love for one another. I put it this way, that if you know God, who is love, and you get to know him more, then because of who he is, it rubs off onto you, and there is more love in your own life, amen? You know what is wonderful, and I've seen it many times in this church, I've seen people loving each other. Firstly, I praise God that we've often had testimonies. People come and they walk into this place and they say, they sense the love of God. To God be the glory. Can we thank God for that? To God be the glory for that. But also, what is so lovely is when people gather around somebody who's in need. Maybe they lost a job. I'm talking now specifically about our life groups. Somebody lost a job and the life group rallies around them. Somebody in the life group lost a loved one. The life group rallies around them and helps and prays and supports and maybe drops off the kids at school and makes some meals and perhaps gives financially or different things like that. And it is so wonderful that 
we are seeing some of the excellence of this love and keep on going. Let there be a genuineness of our love. And I do realize this, that it's not always so easy to love each other. <laughs> because why? We are not yet perfect. We're not yet perfect. And we have our differences and we have our disagreements, but love anyway. And when there's an offense uh, between you and another Christian, work through it, get through it, and love anyway. You are called of God to love fervently with a pure kind of love. And when it speaks about loving with a pure heart, please say a pure heart. Say it a bit louder, a pure heart. You know what that means? It means don't act as if you love. Don't love with an outward demonstration but genuinely from your heart, actually love the people round about you. And this challenges me. I probably believe it challenges you as well because we tend to want to just focus on ourselves. But God says you've come into something altogether new and therefore let there be genuine love. And this is talking about the household of Christ, the brothers and sisters in God. And so I'm ending off with this question. Is there someone who needs your genuine love at this point in time? Because I'd like to ask if there's somebody that maybe comes to mind in these moments, maybe you just wanna take out your cell phone and just pop a note in your calendar, say, phone this person or reach out to this person or invite them for a cup of coffee. Because people, I've, I'm seeing people are going through a lot of strain. <laughs> A lot of the COVID stuff, yes, COVID is sort of like decreasing and praise God, I hope it goes away forever. But there's still a lot of effects of what that did to so many people and situations. And so I wanna end off with this challenge. May I challenge you? Is there somebody in this week that you can reach out to and show genuine love, not fake love, not surface love, but genuine love from a pure heart? And do you know that as you show that love, you will also be blessed in return. I've shared four things with you today. Number one, gird up the loins of your mind. Live with the right mindset. Get your mind into gear. Number two, be holy in everything you do. Number three, you were rescued from a futile life by the precious blood of Christ. And number four, have a genuine love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? then go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.